Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of But What If It's Perfect. I'm your host, Panda. Let me just say right off the bat that I'm sorry I got this out a little bit late. It is Sunday night when I'm recording this. It will be uploaded tonight. I had uploaded a separate episode on Friday. Because I actually recorded two episodes on Friday. In the first one, I recorded the whole episode. It was a good episode. I was feeling great about it. And I went to re-listen to it, and the audio quality was just horrid. It shows me, right? It shows me to assume that the mic is working fine and to just record a whole podcast without checking it prior. Rookie mistake. So I begin messing with the with the mic and trying to get the audio quality back to where it was and I just couldn't get it back I was I worked on it for about three hours after I got off of work on Friday and I just could not figure it out I was messing with all the effects uh different amplifiers there, there was a, a bit of a reverberation in the background and it it just annoyed me and when I recorded for the second time on Friday I was just frustrated and you could hear it in the podcast. You could hear just the way I was speaking about things that I was clearly not uh, in the best mood. And it affected the podcast. And when I uploaded it, I wasn't thinking clearly. So I was re- I was listening to the podcast on my way home. I was frustrated with myself. I pulled over. I turned my phone into a hotspot. I pulled up my computer. And I took it off the internet because the audio quality just wasn't there. It was It was just not good. There, and there wasn't anything that I could do about it at that point. So I took it off the internet. I expect better audio quality uh, than that. And I'm sorry for those of you who did listen to it because I did see it had a couple listens by the time I pulled it off half an hour after uploading it. But this episode's going to be roughly the same as that one. Uh, a little bit different, obviously, because I'm recording a couple days later. But uh, the same wine, the same ideas, the same general feel of that podcast is going to be today so again, i'm sorry the, the the mic is fixed now there was a cable broken inside of it uh, i repaired it didn't work i bought a new one put it in everything's working great now so good to go and this week to kind of help me out here i'm drinking 19 crimes their cabernet sauvignon bottled in 2016 it's actually an australian wine so I know that I'm going to get crap for having two Cabernet Sauvignons in the very first two episodes. But this wine is actually pretty good. And it's from Australia, so it's different. It's not Chilean Cabernet Sauvignon. It's Australian Cabernet Sauvignon. I had never had Australian wine. I wanted to try it. And I figured you guys would be interested. What's Australian wine taste like? I don't know. Now I do know. This wine is actually pretty decent. I bought it for the label, though. I'll be honest. Because it's named 19 Crimes, and there's a photo of a man who appears to be a criminal on the front. And I really enjoy history. And when I picked up this bottle for the first time, I turned it over to the back, and I noticed on the back, there was a brief history lesson. So let me just read the front real quick. The front says, underneath the name of the, of the maker, each declared by his majesty to be punishable on conviction by transportation. And you flip the wine bottle to the back. And it just gives you a brief little history lesson. And a lot of people know this about Australia already. But I enjoyed reading it. And it states, 19 crimes turned criminals into colonists. 
Upon conviction, British rogues guilty of at least one of the 19 crimes were sentenced to live in Australia rather than death. This punishment by transportation, and transportation's in quotes, began in 1788 and many of the lawless died at sea. For the rough-hewn prisoners who made it to shore, a new world awaited. As pioneers in a frontier penal colony, they forged a new country and new lives, brick by brick. This wine celebrates the rules they broke and the culture they built. I don't love it. I don't love it because it completely leaves out the Aborigine people who already inhabited Australia. And for those of you who know me and know that I would rather work on Columbus Day than have off, I'm not a big fan of what England did there. And for those of you who don't know, uh, England's prison system was a bit overcrowded uh, in the late 1700s, and their solution was to take the 19 worst crimes uh, for people who weren't going to be punished by death and ship them off to Australia to basically just create this uh, little jail island. So that's what this wine is referencing. And it's actually, you know, beyond the label, it's actually a pretty decent wine. It's not as full and as rich, not as, uh, I don't love it. Like I love the Chilean wine. It doesn't have that deep flavor. You know, this one's still a little fruity. Uh, I wouldn't pair it with any great red meats. You know, this is more of like a, a sit at home and enjoy your wine by a fire kind of wine. Or enjoy your wine on the couch while watching some television. I don't know. I, I, I've been sipping on it for the last hour and I'll probably drink this bottle uh, within a couple days. Because it isn't bad. I'm not going to let it waste. I definitely, I think it's worth getting just because of the label and the fact that it is a decent wine. It's only $10.99 at my local grocery store, so... If you're in a cheaper area, I'm sure it'll be less. But yeah, it's pretty good. So after my first episode, I got my first comment. And this is from my friend Adam. And he was just kind of giving me some some ideas about the things that I asked for, which would be the how to help the environment. And he also had a recommendation for wine. So he told me for the wine, please drink Chilean Carmenere, which I'm going to look for and I'm going to find. Maybe it'll be next week's wine, Adam, so stay tuned. As for, as for the uh, helping the environment, he said, what I do for the environment is I vote for candidates who understand or believe in human-caused climate change and global warming. I make some individual choices, such as trying to buy better quality products that will last longer, taking public transportation, turning off lights, and composting. And he actually has a pretty good recommendation here. He says in Alexandria, because he lives in Alexandria, uh, Virginia, he says that in Alexandria, they had city-led compost where people could drop off the compost at the farmer's markets throughout the city. So he doesn't have that same, he, he moved to, to Massachusetts and he doesn't have the same thing in Massachusetts, but that actually was really cool. I live near Alexandria and I had no idea. I had no idea that, that they did that. So that's actually pretty awesome. And I appreciate the comment, Adam. I appreciate the advice and the the recommendation for wine. I'm definitely going to look for that Chilean Carmenere because you, you struck that chord with the Chilean. And I know, buddy, that you had been to Chile before. So we got that in common. Both love that country. Gotta love that country. And this week, I mentioned my love of history earlier with, with the bottle of wine. I want to talk about bucket lists because hurricanes are still dominating the national conversation and 
I, I talked about hurricanes last week. You guys listened to Hurricane speak last week. You guys have probably been reading about hurricanes nonstop over the last three, four weeks. I'm tired of it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm sure you guys don't want to talk about it. Let's, let's talk about bucket lists because all those people whose lives are being affected by hurricanes, I'm sure they're thinking about the things that they wish they had done. And it's a bit sad to think about, so I'm sorry. But let's talk about bucket lists. On my bucket list, top one right now has to be to visit the World War II sites in Europe. Has to be, because I love reading, listening, watching about World War II. Anything has to do with it. The, the, the thousands of documentaries, seemingly, on Netflix, I have watched 999 of them, at least. At least, of the thousand. And then the books, you know, Band of Brothers, oh my god, please, please. Band of Brothers was, was, was simply amazing. So I love World War II. I have the books, you know, I bought Flyboys is an amazing book for those of you who are looking for a great read, Flyboys. The movie wasn't so great, and I read the book first, so that's probably why, right? But the the book was amazing. So that's what I want to do. I want to go, I want to look at the beaches. I want to visit the camps. I want to go deep into the forest where, where Germany was hiding their mega weapons, you know? <laughs> I want to know everything. I want to spend three, four weeks just doing nothing but visiting those sites, seeing the places, feeling where all these just very influential things to this day, influential to this day, all these things occurred. I want to be there. I want to stand there. I want to feel the energy. So that's what I want to do. That's my very top bucket list item. And it, if you think about it, it should be for a lot of people because World War II was a huge deal. And it says, I mean, it's World War II, right? The World War I was the Great War. It was supposed to be the, the war to end all wars, and it didn't. World War II came along just a few decades later, and the world has never been the same. And for people who lived there during that time, uh, lived anywhere pretty much in the world, from, from what I read and from what I understand, it was terrifying. You know, the fact that, that fascism could take over, Germany could rule the world, I, man... And I know a lot of that was propaganda, a lot of that was, you know, America just trying to build up to be more than it was. But in Europe, the people who were being invaded, the people who were actively being killed, it was terrifying. Terrifying. And America likes to act like we're the, the or they were the uh, big dogs in the fight. But in reality, Russia, if they hadn't been involved and on our side, World War II would have ended very differently because... I believe Russian lives to American lives lost was something like 60 to 1. It could be even more than that. I could be wrong, but I believe it was something like 60 to 1. And it was absolutely ridiculous just how much of an effect they had on that war. They kept Germany busy. They they kept Germany on all sides. They gave America the opening that America needed to be able to, to help defeat Germany. So... I, I love World War Two. It's a big it's a big deal for me. I would love to go there. And you know what? You know what? I remember exactly what it was. I remember that it was like fifty five time. Fifty five to one for Russian lives lost versus American lives lost. That's insane. So without the Russian army there to support us, there's no way we would have had a chance against the Germans. <sighs> Anyways. Anyways. Moving on. The second part of my bucket list that I want to discuss is the one that I know is never going to happen. There's just no chance it ever happens, and that's going to be skydiving. 
and I almost hesitate to bring it up because skydiving is something that I feel like is on a lot of people's bucket list. There's always that guy who's like, oh yeah, I want to go skydiving. Yeah, yeah, that'd be real cool. Jump out of a fully functional airplane. I want to do it, yeah. I want to do it. And I want to do it only because I feel like the feeling of free falling and the view that you have to have of the of the the world below you while you're free falling it's just got to be absolutely gorgeous are you kidding me when i fly i love flying simply because when i take off and land i get to look out my window and if i don't have a window seat i will crane my neck to look out the window nearest me to look down at the ground that we're taking off from because no matter where i've taken off from Looking out that window and seeing just the land beneath us is beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. I love it. So imagine what that would be like falling from an airplane without having to look through a little window, which being able to open your eyes and see everything. 180 degrees of just everything. That would be so cool. That would be so amazing. I'd love to do it, but it's never going to happen because I am so terrified of heights. I am so terrified of heights. When I was a teenager, I was a prideful, stubborn teenager who never wanted to admit that I was scared or wrong. And Granted, I am still like that, so forgive me. But I was a teenager, and there was this ropes course. There was this ropes course at the camp that I attended, and this ropes course was suspended about 20 feet off the ground. And to get up to the ropes course, you just had to climb up the... uh, this tree with uh, steps built into it and man I shouldn't say steps built into it it's like a ladder on the tree and I got maybe 15 feet up and I was just clutching onto that tree hugging it as hard as I could and I was terrified and tears were streaming down my face and I was crying and I just wanted to get up and do it because everybody was staring at me but I couldn't I could not move and I, I just held on to that tree for what had to be five to ten minutes just uh, terrified and then I got down and I could never do it I could never do it and you know we were completely suspended we were completely we had the harnesses on we were totally safe but there was no chance that I was getting up there and after I started my job four years ago that involved having to get up on ladders at first I was made fun of uh, by my coworkers because if I was three rungs up on a ladder, I wasn't going any higher. Mm-mm. If I couldn't get that camera hung up ten feet off the ground, it wasn't going up. And over time, over time that changed, I was able to get up a little bit higher, and I still have, absolutely, I still have that fear of heights. Especially if I feel like whatever I'm doing isn't 100% safe. If I'm up on a ladder and I feel like the ladder isn't rated properly, or if the ladder is wooden or if the surface is a bit slick, I'm terrified. I'm terrified, and I might not show it outwardly, but inward, on the inside, inward, on the inside, I am terrified. Terrified. So I don't think that's ever gonna happen. I would love, I would love to experience skydiving. I just can't see myself ever jumping out of a perfectly functional airplane. I might go up, and they'd open that door. And I'm envisioning this, and I just got a chill down my spine again. I recorded this before, and I had chills running down my spine during that as well. But it's running down my spine again right now because I'm thinking about just sitting there, staring again, again, another chill, staring out this 
out this hatch that opens for you to jump out of the airplane and I just I cannot see myself jumping out of that mm -mm, not gonna happen but there is one thing on my bucket list that I have already done and for the longest time it was at the top it was the number one thing that I wanted to do it was the biggest deal in my life and that was going to Machu Picchu in Peru and I actually have the background of my computer set as Machu Picchu. I had never been. I had been to Peru a few times when I was younger, but I'd always been to visit family with my father. I'd always been to Lima, to Huancayo, but never to Cusco, never to the Nazca Lines, never to Machu Picchu. I hadn't done anything like that. So in 2013, I decided I was going to do that. So my sister and I, she was uh, 17 at the time. My sister and I, we go to Peru. And we're there for two weeks. And the first week, we just spent with family. And the second week, we decided to do touristy things. So I book uh, a tour, one of those packages-type deals. And we go on this, on this tour of all the, all the tourist cities, all the tourist sites that culminates with Machu Picchu. And up to that point, we had been in this tour group for everything. We had walked along with our tour guides for everything, and it just gotten to the point we were tired of being told about everything. We want to experience everything, right? So we get to Machu Picchu. We make sure we're the very front first ones in line, and obviously to get in Machu Picchu, there are lines. and We're there right in the morning, but the lines are just ridiculous. So we get through the whole group first. And we turn around to our tour guide and we say, yeah, we'll meet you guys inside. And we just left. We just left. And we, we want to experience Machu Picchu by ourselves. And if I could explain the feeling, the energy that Machu Picchu gives off, it is huge. It is huge. You know, pictures do not do it justice. Pictures do not do it justice because you have this sprawling city built into the mountainside. And you have all these rocks that were brought from from far away and how were these boulders brought here who who knows I mean, yes we know but it's crazy it's crazy how the Incan civilization was able to accomplish this and build this the city for the king it's incredible and to stand there for a day and just soak everything in and be able to walk in the city and be able to experience the 360 of the entire site was absolutely amazing and that whole trip in itself, visiting the Nazca Lines, going to Cusco, visiting family, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, and I remember flying back with my sister. And we were on the airplane, I looked over at her and I said, did you have fun this trip? And I thought her answer was absolutely perfect, because she looked to me. And she said, you know, a lot of trips you go on, you build them up just before getting there and you build them up to be something that the trip can never live up to you can never live up to it and I thought we had done this with this trip I thought we had built it up I thought it was never going to meet our expectations but this trip exceeded my expectations this trip was better than I thought it was going to be thank you oh man that made me smile. That makes me smile to this day because that was exactly what I wanted to hear. That's exactly how I felt about the trip. I thought it had exceeded all expectations. 
I thought it was absolutely amazing. Would I love to go back? Absolutely. I would love to go back. But just to be able to get there once and be able to strike that off and say, I have been there. That is something I wanted to do my whole life and I've been there. I have pictures there. I was able to just sit there and I'll never forget what it felt like to be there. Now it was recommended to me by my sister, who I have found out is much wiser than I am, to explain why I'm getting into podcasts. To explain why I'm starting this podcast, why I'm doing this, why I'm taking the time to do this, why I'm investing the money to do this and do it right. Because when I started listening to podcasts, I had just gone to college. I was 17 years old. I moved out of the house for the first time. I never listened to podcasts at that point. I didn't even know what they were. I don't even know if I had an iPhone prior to that, so I probably didn't have uh, podcasts. Because I remember my first podcast I ever listened to were on the iPhone, in the dorm room, in the bunk bed. And then when I would go to sleep at night, I'd play a podcast, and it would let me, it would allow me to just kind of drift off. And that turned into me playing podcasts while I was walking to and from classes. If I was walking through the halls, and I was just trying to book it from one class to another, I'd just put on a podcast, I'd be in my own little world. Nothing else would matter anymore. And at the time, I listened to Keith and the Girl, which was a very influential podcast for me, and I listened to all ESPN shows. Around the Horn, PTI, stuff like that. So I was listening to all of these. And it just became kind of a thing for me. I would listen to them, just my daily routine. And then in 2012, at the end of 2012, my life changed forever. And we will definitely get into that in a later podcast. Uh, Not this one. But... My life changed forever, and I was having a really difficult time getting out of bed, getting out of the house. I I was having a difficult time being alone. Just being alone with my thoughts was the worst thing. The worst thing. I could not stand it. I couldn't stand it. And by early 2013, I was just really struggling. I was really struggling. Just in a really dark place. And during that time, I started listening to Keith and the Girl again, because I had stopped. I started listening to it again, and I I downloaded all all these podcasts that I still listen to to this day for the most part. And all these podcasts just helped take up that empty space in my mind that would have otherwise been filled with very negative thoughts. If I didn't have podcasts during that time, I don't know where I'd be because I couldn't fall asleep. I couldn't stand to have my thoughts running through my head. I couldn't stand it. It was it was depressing. It was horribly depressing. I was not in a good place, and podcasts took away that silence and gave me something, another world to immerse myself into. And after enough time had passed... I was able to wean myself off of that a little bit. I don't need to have podcasts playing 24-7 anymore. I still need them to fall asleep. But without podcasts during that time, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know how I would have filled that time. I already had enough bad vices going on during that time. If I didn't have podcasts there to fill up the empty space, I shudder to think of what the empty space would have been filled with. It scares me. 
podcasts were there. Podcasts were there. I was able to plug in and just zone out and listen and immerse myself in a different world and, and listen to this world that other people presented for me. And that's why I do this. I do this because I know how podcasts can affect somebody. I know how they can touch somebody. And I want to do that. I want to be there for you guys. If you listeners need me in any way, if you guys need some some empty time f- filled with this podcast, I want to be there weekly leaving this podcast for you guys so you guys can feel like you're a part of something. Because I'm not just talking by myself here. I'm talking to you. Just like Keith and the girl, just like those podcasts were talking to me. And without that, uh, so thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for giving me the time out of your day. Sincerely. It means the world to me. And I hope that whether I record five or a dozen or a hundred or a thousand podcasts on this channel, I hope that I can just touch one person the way that I was touched by podcasts because that would make everything worthwhile that would make everything absolutely worthwhile for me so thank you guys thank you for the listens thank you for the likes thank you for the subscribes thank you for the shares they all mean the world to me thank you everybody please please i hope you had a great weekend please have a good week ahead and i'll be back with you guys by saturday night have a good night